0: thank you for choosing to listen to the hope rock church at lake travis podcast for more resources and information on our church or our team please
1: go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on facebook
2: amen let give troy a hand can you get the vias family up here real quick Mr. Bo, Ms. Sherry, Troy, come up up here. While they're coming up here, I know that there was concern about that electrical work that you saw happening there. (laughs) I just want you to know that uh, I'm now a certified master electrician. (laughs) I mean, if you're an electrician, you're Kurt. I know you are. I mean, (laughs) it's nothing to it. You just put the wires in, sometimes swap them around. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We did have supervision. Thank goodness for that. So, I've asked uh, Sherry, Troy, and Bo uh, just to give us a little bit of an update. So, who's speaking? All of you. Sherry. Oh, she's the nom- Okay, there we go. Okay, Bo. It's like this. It's like a Mexican standoff here. What are we doing? Who's speaking? <laughs> okay, you guys. You, just, you guys stand in. Tell us a
1: little bit. Um, well, it was a very, very, very amazing trip, as you would um, all imagine we've heard. Um, it was our first missions trip. Um, there was a lot of unexpected moments, Um I think just the love that we saw just each and every day between the team. Um, Marco does an amazing job. Kat did an amazing job just uh, navigating every single day. Um, the connections we made together as a group. Um, as a mother, I think the connection um, and the bond I saw you know, with these two, with uh, father and son, was just... Uh, I would say just remarkable just seeing our son not be so independent and actually let father lead was an amazing um, experience for a mom to see. So taking a child would be, this is, um, you know, he's, he's a very independent kid. And to see in, uh, in God's presence and everything that he made so perfect there in, in Rotan, it was just an awesome experience to see that. Um, I think uh, one of the things that just stood out so much was uh, seeing the people that have been hooked on drugs for so many years and they did not look and seem unhealthy or unhappy. Um, I think that makes just everything so real and God's presence in those moments that you're talking to these people just changes your life. If that doesn't change your life, I mean, I don't know what does. With, uh, with God, everything is just so perfect. Um, you see these people smile like they've never taken a drug before. Um, you see what they've done with the children in Crystal's home. Um, you see the kids that are outside um, on the street, and then you go into Crystal's home and you see her take charge because she's just amazing. <laughs> um, she takes charge and just does everything so like perfectly with these kids. And it's all, um, life changing because we live here on Lake Way, and I call it the bubble. <laughs> and these people wake up every single day with God in no other way. Um, so it really pushes you to, um, come back here and want to just be like them. Um, and that is a small island to be on, so it really, uh, the impact I, I saw my husband and Marco do um, in the rehab, I just felt um, there was a, a seed planted there that will forever, ever, we, we won't see it right now, but some other team will go back and, and get to see because i was i experienced something that i was kind of taken back when i was with miss crystal she was hitting the walls she's like this is this is hope rock right here i didn't have this kitchen i didn't have this and to see her just hugging me i'm like hug marco um she's like this is you guys and it was exciting it's, it's exciting to see the children um wake up and breathe eat and and live god and and just bring Christ into their lives and change their lives. And I feel like I'm going to go back and see one of these kids one day and they're going to be like, yes, I'm still part of this. And I'm, you know, and they're going to build something. So I can't wait to go back. That was my biggest thing. Can't wait to go back and, and see what God has done. I was one of the hard ones that I felt like I was going to cry the entire time. Did. <laughs> and, and no, I got better. And Marco <laughs> puts everything into perspective and he's like, no, you guys, God is, like, taking care of the rest. Just do what you feel is right in your heart. And, and we did. We all, he, he helps you just put it all together, and it's amazing. Amen.
3: Do you want to do a quick one? Your coach, your coach. Okay. Uh, now you want to talk. Oh, I just wanted to add off of that. Um, I'm going to brag on you. Well, on, on all of us and all of y'all. It's, we got to go and see the results of seeds planted by y'all as a church and as Marco um, I had the honor of meeting one man, Hector, who, he was in the rehab, and I just we just started talking and sharing, and these are, these are guys that, basically, honestly, are discarded from society. They are like, he admitted he was eating out the trash, and like the trash in Honduras on Rotan is not like the trash in here. I mean, it's like a whole other level of how they were living, but he was hung out, I mean, when I say drugs, he was on drugs for decades, but he got, God led him to This rehab that's, I mean, it literally, it's, it's, how can I describe it? It, it, like, a a rose that grew out of the concrete. Like, it's amazing where it's at. The drug spot where they make the crack, literally across the street, okay? And it's right there. And it's not even, like, it's thriving. It's growing. And Hector said, basically, man, I came to this rehab, and the moment I met Marco, like, it it saved my life. He led me to God, and I have a whole new life I never would imagine. This was a guy who was on crack for, like, 25, 30 years but he's like he has god now god used marco to plant that seed and like to see it grow i mean a couple trips later it was it was just amazing and and that's just one example like crystal i didn't get to spend time with crystal but y'all planted that seed a while ago later and like to see her thriving like i wasn't there with her as much but i've heard amazing stories where you she has a small tiny room with 60 kids lined up not not even speaking until they're called upon reciting verses, scripture. I can't even keep my four kids that sit in my car to behave, you know what I mean? But she was doing this, and it was it's amazing. And, like, she would call them on site, and they would stand up. They could recite scripture. They knew songs. I mean, it was amazing. And then the work that's been put into the rehab, man after man that, that were coming through there, they, all, they had horrible stories. These are, these are men and people, and I say men, I'm, not, I'm just saying in a sense because that, there's only one woman there and we didn't interact. It was just the men we interacted with. But these are men that they gave up on life. They didn't care. They, they, were, they were out in the streets doing what they needed to, to do to survive, and they were on drugs heavy, and they didn't care. But it got to the point where they wanted hope. God touched them, and in that moment, they got into the rehab, and God and each one touched them in different ways, and it's, it's, it's growing. So I'm actually excited to go back and kind of see what their growth with as well, because it's something you do want to go back in and just not go once. So amen. Amen. thank well, you so much. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, I just want to say that uh, if you see this guy, um, he's opened up on the trip. He loves hugs. He yeah. yeah. loves it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Troy, do you want to say anything? Besides, no, do you want to give everyone a hug? Sure yeah, order. amen. There we go. Okay. Let's give the Lord a hand. God gets all the glory. And, and I want to just echo what Bo said. This is because of your genero- generosity. This church has been amazing in island. And I promise you, if you go on the next trip, you will see the investment that you have put in that island. And it's just mind-blowing how much, you know, people's lives are being impacted. So thank you, church, for being so good and for loving the nations the same way Jesus loves them. I want to call Derek. You know, you'll know Derek. He was recently ordained as an elder in the church. Come on up, Derek. He is going to be bringing the word this morning. Hallelujah. Let's give Derek a hand. Um, Derek was, I'm going to move all of this. Yes, sir. I'm moving it. I'm going to move it all. Okay. Okay. Gosh, you're freaking me out here. I just want to pray for him real quick, and then he's going to preach. Come. Thanks, love. Thank you. Father, thank you for Derek. Thank you, Lord, for the word that he's about to bring. Thank you for this amazing, you know, leader that you've given this local church. And I just pray, Lord, that the spirit of the Lord will be mighty upon him today, and that you will touch us in an amazing way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: you got so much stuff up here. Can't you... Thank y'all for doing that. Where'd you go? Where'd they go? Anyway, thank you for doing that. I I was secretly hoping that was going to take like an hour and the fire was going to fall and everybody, like it was just going to be like this amazing service anyway. Uh, But no, thank you for for sharing and thank you for going. Um, All right. Well, hello again, everyone. Um, As you can see, I'm back in the pulpit. It's my third time up here. I call it a pulpit because we grew up, I grew up in like a little Methodist church in Georgia, and that's what we called it. It's where you preach from, the pulpit. So they built one just for me. I don't know if y'all have ever seen this. This is the first time that this little platform has been used, and Marco told me that I was special, and they were going to go out of their way, make me feel special, and I could stand up here and look down on all you regular people. Um... So I hope that's okay. Actually, it's really—it's not because of, it's because the camera and the people in the back, so they can see, has nothing to do with me. Um, but true. while while I'm um, before I get started, I want to Marco up here every single time is trying to talk about how awesome he is. He's what? got he's got fish stories. He's got pictures of him riding sharks. Like it makes it's ridiculous. Actually, is what it is. And I can't not take this opportunity to show you who the best fisherman is. So. Uh, Lindsay and I were fortunate enough to go to Florida on a work trip recently, and Jim and Stacey Flores, who many of you know, actually went with us. And we stayed an extra day, went deep sea fishing. We were in Fort Lauderdale, and it was was pretty cool. It was awesome. I mean, we were catching fish like crazy. Like nothing like compared to what Marco does. I'm going to show you some pictures. (laughs) Dino, can you show them Jim's fish? Oh, there we go. Okay, that's Jim. Y'all know Jim. He's usually behind the camera. That's a little snapper he caught. Uh, my wife called this next one, a little mahi-mahi. What a cool fish. This is the part in the sermon Charlie would spend like 15 minutes about the wonder of God because of the colors on that fish. Uh, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, sorry, Charlie. Okay, um, so listen here's what happened. On our way out, the waves were crazy. It was, it was, it was honestly rough enough that I thought they weren't going to take us out. We go out, and as soon as we get lines in the water, this is a four-hour fishing trip. As soon as we get lines in the water, there's this big hammerhead shark comes up, and he keeps trying to eat our bait. And so they're like, we can't fish if this guy's here. He's just going to eat everything. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? You want me to take care of it? So yeah. I jump out there with a stick, <laughs> and I fend him off. <laughs> and from that point on, it was fish jumping in the boat. I mean, I caught so many fish myself, I didn't even get pictures of them because I was so busy reeling in fish. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Well, And I was exhausted, too. So I, got, I did get one picture of my exhaustion, I think, Dino. There we go. That was actually, truthfully, how I spent the entire four hours with a bucket between my knees on the couch. But it was fun. It was a good trip. So you can have the fisherman title thank you for that okay i'm from georgia we just put cane poles in little ponds we don't do that um but seriously i am excited to be up here and i've preached up here i've mentioned twice and both times when i when i found out i was preaching when i had a date i'm like okay lord i got to you got to help me here you got to give me something that i've got this conviction about that i know to share and it's like a process like okay i'm praying about this i'm reading what do you want me to share? And this time was different. This time, the second... Am I going to cry already? The second that Marco asked me... <laughs> Excellent. The second that Marco asked me to preach, I knew exactly where I was going to go with this. I knew exactly what was going to happen. And not word for word, not like I got this miraculous download from the Lord, which would have been amazing. But, um, but I, knew where, I knew what I was going to share on and I feel like in a, in a way the Lord has prepared me for it for the last 20 years of my life. So um, it was actually difficult for me to take all these thoughts I've thought about over the last, I think it's been like three months since I got this preaching date, and gather them in something that I feel like is somewhat clear and, and makes sense. And so I'm hoping that I can do uh, justice to what I think the Lord wants to, wants to share today. Um, and I'm going to pray really quick, and then I'll, then I'll just get started. Uh, Lord, I just I, I thank you for what I believe is a message that you've given us for this time in this season, and um, that you want me to share. And I just pray that you help me to not get in the way of what you want to do, and that you keep my eyes dry, most of the time at least. <laughs> All right, so I think it was... Um, Well, let me back up. So the reason that this was, that I knew exactly what I was going to share about and the reason that I'm honestly getting a little emotional already is because a lot of the subject of faith, which is what I'm going to share on, a lot of that for me has been developed by my in-laws and specifically by Donna, who a lot of you know and who passed away in September. So it's a little bit fresh and I'm going to do my best to honor that, but... um, But she lived a life of faith that you couldn't couldn't comprehend. And it wasn't just, you know, she was a teacher. She taught the word. It wasn't just words. She shared it with watching how she lived was um, what impacted me personally. And what I would love to be able to download to you today, to a very tiny degree, if you can get a fraction of it, I think it'll be an encouragement to you. So, um I was going to start with a scripture, I was going to start with an outline, I was going to start and I was going to say, this is what I want to accomplish, but I thought maybe the easiest way to start was to tell you why her faith was so impactful to me, and not just me, but to a lot of people, and, and show you the result of a life lived in faith and operating in faith daily. Um, so after she passed, I mean, like I said, this is recent, we started immediately with a, a Google Drive with screenshots of text messages, pictures of cards, um, Facebook comments. We're just trying to gather all this stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. And honestly, you wouldn't believe the, the number of them. And I think it's expected when, when, when a family's going through something like that, that people reach out. They give you condolences. They, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Like, all that's normal. Like, I get that. But this was different to me. Um, I've lost family members before and close ones. But this one was different because people weren't just saying, I'm so sorry for your loss. They were saying, you have no idea the impact that she made on me. Um, I pulled a few actual comments that people sent in of people that some of them I don't even know. But um, I wanted to share it with you. Y'all got to keep your eyes dry right there. Or I'm- <laughs> um, but uh but they just, they just show the impact that she had on people. And again, not people saying just, I'm sorry for your loss. Here's my condolences. People saying, you don't know she saved my marriage. Like her teaching on this, I remember to this day from 30 years ago. Uh, so let me just read a couple of these comments. It says, um, a lot of these were sent to my wife, Lindsay, who's Donna's uh, youngest child, uh, youngest daughter. So it says, I'm sorry, your mom sowed so many seeds in my heart when I was in my early years of marriage and having kids. Another one says, I will always cherish the years I spent with Donna in Birmingham and Metropolitan Church of God. She had wisdom beyond her years and was a pivotal part in my closer walk with God. Uh, This one says, amazing certainly doesn't describe her well. We were so blessed to be under her teaching as newlyweds. We can still remember 20 plus years later, very specific teachings, very specific conversations and very specific encouragement that she gave us. And then, um, and then one more says, I've been thinking of sweet Donna all day. She was like a mentor to me. I've been talking to God about her and he reminds me that she is with him now, healed. She declared the, sorry. She declared the truth of his word fearlessly and I will forever live a life trying to achieve Donna-like faith. And that one right there is just exactly what I want to um, try to communicate to you. So there's count, there's little, this is just, I mean, this is just little snippets of letters and things I pull. There's countless, countless, countless examples of people who literally said things like, I don't know if my marriage would have made it without the investment of her and, and Wayne. Um, and it's because she lived in faith. She operated in it daily. It wasn't just she knew how to teach it or she knew, understood it. It was like she lived it more than you can imagine. So I hope to today do two things: one, inspire you to live a life like that, and also to get practical like what does that look like, and what does that mean? So that's where I want to start and i was I was doing some research, and um I found this professor on online, which is I'm sure the theologians would say "That's great, that's great, you're pulling some random guy online uh, but i love this I love this quote uh he said. Is, a, is faith a noun or a verb? And he says, the answer, of course, is both. But the distinction matters when it comes to how we understand our faith in our daily lives. Do we, on a day-to-day basis, think of faith as functioning as a noun in our lives or as a verb? If it's a noun, then our faith is primarily about what we should believe, creeds, catechisms, statements, and formulations of faith, and so on. Faith understood primarily as a noun stresses the cognitive dimension of our faith, and while this is important, it can easily devolve into concerns not simply about what we believe but about believing the right things. More than that, overstressing the cognitive dimensions of faith, faith as a noun, can lead to a rather static faith, one focused on getting your theology in order rather than actually doing anything. And I want to interject here just for a second, I've got a little more to this quote, but um, in addition to what he's saying, I think of the way we use the word faith. It's such a common word. It's, it feels like it's a common tattoo, actually. It just is like in our culture. Uh, it's it's used in a lot of different ways. I think of people saying someone is a person of faith. And for me, that means I'm, my faith is in Jesus. But for a lot of people, that means your faith is in anything. Like it, it doesn't, being a person of faith doesn't, automatically mean you're living in relationship with Jesus. It, it, so faith has, been, in a sense, in that sense, has been hijacked a little bit. Um, people say, keep the faith. You know, you're going through something hard. You need some encouragement. You just, just keep the faith. I'm like, well, keep the faith in what? Like, if it's not Jesus, it's not, well, it doesn't, it's meaningless. So I wanted to point out, one, the faith as a noun is faith in Jesus. And that's all it is. And that's the only thing it should be. So um, so, back to this quote, the second part of it, Dino. Uh, he says, So, which is why I think reclaiming faith as a verb is really important. Faith understood this way is more active than cognitive, as it stresses living our faith in, a way, in the way we treat others, in how we raise our children, and how we spend our money, vote elections, care for those in need around us, and more. Faith understood as a verb is about our daily activities and practices and stresses acting on our faith rather than just thinking about it. This kind of faith, in other words, invites us to get out of our theological armchairs and get into the game, the game of life, of loving loving neighbor. And then I added, in our church, our mission is to know Christ and to make him known. So walking out our faith, you might say, is to get in the game of knowing him and making him known. So grammar aside, I think the word faith is a noun, just so we're clear. But it requires a living. It requires a certain thing of living and operating in daily. Amen. We start with our faith in Jesus, and we live daily by faith in order to please him. <clears throat> Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. If you want to pull that up, or you can look at the screen there. Uh, so this is verse 1 through 3. You can't, you can't talk about faith without referencing Hebrews 11. It's just, it's just I wish I, I, I wish I would never have time to go through the whole thing if you want to follow up today, I would encourage you to read that, read that passage. There's a lot of encouragement in there of people of faith in Scripture. So, uh, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So, I think the dictionary says complete trust in a person or, or thing. In our case, a person that we can't see in Jesus. And the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Conviction to me is just, is just even beyond trust. It's like regardless of what I see, that, that, this is more real. What I can't see is more real than what I can. So I was reading some commentary on Hebrews chapter 11 and... I'm just going to share his words with you because it, it, I think it, it furthers the point a little bit more. Um, this is not from Scripture, but you can put the next one up. It's, um, this is just directly from a commentary. It says, Faith always has been the mark of God's servants. From the beginning of the world, it is a firm persuasion and expectation that God will perform all he has promised to us in Christ. This persuasion gives the soul to enjoy those things now. It gives them a subsistence or reality in the soul By the first fruits and foretaste of them, faith proves to the mind the reality of things that cannot be seen by the bodily eye. What I cannot see is more real to me than what I can. So I think um, my point is, when we talk about faith in our context, it is faith in a person whose name is Jesus. And when we operate in our faith daily, we are operating through the lens of trusting him and everything that he said and, and done. And I think it's important just to distinguish because when our faith is in Jesus, we must believe what he said is true, Amen. and we must believe his word is true. Sorry. The word is, is true. If we believe what, what God says he is and who he is, then we have to believe what this is. Amen. It's like if this, then that. To me, I kept thinking, like, if my car started this morning, there's got to be fuel in my tank. Like, it does, they go hand in hand. There's no, there's no faith without... Trusting the word. So how do we have faith? Um, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, For by grace, and Marco actually preached on this recently, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we access the grace of God through our faith. And And to me, even our faith is a gift from God. I like the way the message, uh, the message translates this scripture. Um, it'll be up on the screen. It says, Now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in this world and the next, to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. So we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. All right, so faith in Christ is the foundation of our life. It's the lens through which we operate, and it should dictate how we live in every single part of our life. And this is... Exactly what I learned, and I mentioned twenty years preparing for this message because that's how long I knew Donna and um that is exactly what she did. she lived it so i've got a couple a few practical things I just want to share with you and then um and then i'll kind of close with the story, but all right number one what what is it practically that I mean when I say operating in faith and there's a lot of things I could share, but i'm I tried to keep this as simple and straightforward as possible. I told Marco before we, before uh, service started, I had, so he told me in September that I was preaching. And so for like three months, I've got stuff everywhere. I'm thinking and praying and I'm like, how do I get all this into this? And so this is my simple, clear, and concise, easy, don't overcomplicate it response to how to live in faith and what I think some of our obstacles are. So number one, faith is not an option. It is the option. right, we're going to go ahead and throw them all up there, just so you can go ahead and get that. Uh, I think that was my mistake, Dino. Sorry. Um, faith is an option. It's the option. I think. I think a lot of times in life, we think our faith isn't big enough, so we think, you know, somebody like Marco and Kat, they moved here across the world to the greatest state in the world, which I get. You know, it's an it's an attractive move, South Africa to Texas. But, um, but it, that took faith. I mean, they were listening to the voice of the Lord, and they were saying, you're telling me leave everything I've ever known, all the people I know, my support system, my community, um, my kids and their friends, my kids' friends. You didn't leave your kids. You left your kids' friends. <laughs> all these things we think of, like we're moving into a zip code, and we're worried about schools, and, all the, and, and they're moving across the world. So things like that take great faith for sure. But I don't think, and you view that and you say they have so much faith, but I don't think you lack faith. I, the scripture says that faith, even the size of a mustard seed, can move a mountain. That's, t- that's small. That's small faith to move a mountain. And if you've trusted Jesus with your life, like you've, you've literally said, I'm staking everything I am my, my entire eternity on what he has said in his word and what he did on the cross and I'm trusting that I screwed this up. God sent his son. He died for me, shed his blood for me to pave a path for my redemption, all that. That's, there's no miracle greater than that. So if, I, if we've taken that step, then our faith for, for tomorrow, it shouldn't be a problem, right? That's a small thing. But I don't, so I don't think it's just a lack of faith because mo- a lot of us have already taken that step. But I do think the enemy brings in all these weeds, all these distractions, and faith becomes an option and not just the option. So we have this little seed of faith planted in our garden, and it's surrounded by weeds, and we've got media input, and we've got life input, and we've got, you know, the values in our culture saying get more and do more and be more and all that competing with our faith in Christ, and we start moving our attention from what we can't see to what we can so we've got to first, we've got to eliminate those things. And I'm not saying you move to a cave and only read the word and drink eat bread. I'm not saying that we can remove ourselves from society, but we have to make this the thing. It can't be an option. It has to be the option. Okay. So number two, um, and, I, and I referenced them moving across the country, which is big faith. I mean, we would say that requires a lot of faith. We've done things like that. Lindsay and I moved uh, and our whole family moved from, from Alabama to Texas with zero savings, uh, very little money to start a business we had zero experience in. Like, There's times that you're required to take big steps of faith, and God will direct you and lead you. That is a thing, and, and I don't want to minimize that, but I think what we miss is sometimes we think that is all faith is, and I'm telling you, faith is in the small things, If we put our trust in God for our eternity, we have to trust him too for the the rest of the things, for everything else. And this is something that I know Donna instilled in her kids growing up. If there is any part of your life that doesn't line up with this word, then stand on what what the word says and trust God. It doesn't matter what you see. Trust what the word says. And we're not going to sit back and accept it. We're going to say, no, that's not what the word says. So, um, some of what I'm going to share is from her memorial service, but, and I'll probably butcher this uh, story. And and the subject of my story is in the room, so hopefully I don't do it. Hopefully I do it a little bit of justice. But um, Donna's Donna and Wayne's son, at some point in early childhood, was diagnosed with some sort of learning disability, and I think put in a a different school, and. Um, And Donna, you know, a lot of parents would say, it is what it is. Like maybe, maybe that's just his lot, you know. Um, Maybe success isn't really going to be his thing or accomplishing much isn't going to be his thing. But not Donna. She said, you know what? You know who has a lot of faith in Scripture? Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 1, they described Daniel as a man without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. And she would stand on that, like daily, and say, No, I'm nothing against learning disabilities or being diagnosed, but we're not going to accept living under the standard of what God's word says. The handsome part, I'm not sure about. Um, okay. 100% of the time, the world is going to tell you something different than what the Word says. So you have to know what the Word says, and you have to, that has to be your faith and your only option. Amen. Okay. Before service started during prayer, Marco was talking about faith, and he said, faith to the world often looks foolish. And I think big faith looks foolish moving across the world. Actually, one of my granddads, when we moved from Birmingham to Texas, he, uh, and I'll share this because he's not alive anymore, Um, (laughs) he was like, seriously, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, like you've got, you're an accountant, you've got a good job, you've got a home, all this stuff, you know, everything was about security, and I know it's a generation thing, but um, it was foolish. It was, like, really foolish, Uh, and I said, this is what we believe God's plan is. That's, that's all I know. That's all I can say, but faith in small things looks foolish, too, because everybody around you says, yeah, that's okay. If they don't learn well, they can do other things, you know. Or they can do, you know, it's fine if they're not good at this. Or Not that you have to be great at everything, but the world will just tell you things about you that, that don't line up with the Word. Amen. And you've got to go to the Word and in, in small faith, even when it looks foolish. Amen. That's good. So maybe you're in this busy season. Work is crazy. Maybe it's normal season, but it's just difficult. Like, you know, you're... Your uh, high school is graduating, going to college or leaving the house. You're worried, you're anxious, you're stressed. Um, and we live with those things. But faith responds by saying, you know what? Matthew 6 says, this is why I tell you to never be worried about your life for all that you need will be provided. It says never to be worried. <laughs> Consider the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store of food. Yet your heavenly father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to the Father than they? Amen. So which one of you, by worrying, can add a single, can add anything to your life? Look at the flowers of the field. They don't work or toil. And not even Solomon in all his splendor was robed in beauty like one of these. So if God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for a short time, and then dried up and burned, won't he provide for you the clothes you need? You of little faith. So I, I've heard this. I don't want to portray this image that faith is carrying your Bible around and like zapping everything to what you, you know, pew. you know, like, like, it's like you're a superhero, like nothing bad or no problem. You're never going to encounter another problem. And I've heard it said like this, it makes that, that just rings so true to me. It says, faith doesn't deny a problem's existence. Faith denies a problem, a place of influence. So faith doesn't de- deny that a problem exists, but it denies that problem a place of influence in my life because that problem doesn't line up with what the Word says. We're called believers. We're referenced, Christians are referenced as believers because we believe. Do you believe? And if you do, live like it. And this isn't condemnation like, what's wrong with you? This is an opportunity. What is, where does my life not match up with the Word? Where can I go fi- What can I find in the Word that changes my life right now today? All right, number three, faith is not a feeling. And this one is hard. Faith does not care what your circumstances are. It doesn't care who's against you. It doesn't care what the odds are. It doesn't care how bleak something looks. Faith doesn't even care what you see with your eyes. Faith says... My God said this, his word says this about me, it says this about my situation, I'm choosing to believe that he's good, and what he says is true, and I'm going to combat every lie the enemy throws at me with faith in his word. When I don't think I'm good enough, I say, 2 Corinthians 3 says, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, Ephesians 2 says, I am his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared that I should walk in them. That's what the word says. But why do I wake up and think, oh, I'm not good enough for this? Because he said I am. When I'm anxious about anything, I say, 1 Peter 5 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When I feel fear and creeping up in my life, and I'm talking about any fear, and Donna was a master of this, and Lindsay's adopted a lot of this, and, I mean, it's like, it's like, you can't watch Fear Factor. Like, it's just like, fear doesn't belong in our house, you know? Like, but if I feel any measure of fear, you know, we think fear is normal. It's part of life. But the word says, our God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. He says, we will not fear. It doesn't say maybe. It says we won't. We will not fear. When I'm worried about my kids, Parker started high school this year. And I don't know if any of y'all have high schoolers at Lake Travis. I know some of you do, even though like half of you are homeschooling. (laughs) Which I kind of get right now. But there's like 4,000 kids up there or something like that. And uh, they're not all good, I'm pretty sure. I'm kind of figuring out. And it's easy to say, oh, I got to hold on. I got to, we got to figure this out. I got to wrap them in a bubble, you know. Like I got to worry, all this stuff. It's easy to go down that path. But then I'm trying to control it. And he's much better than I am. So I go to his word and I say, Matthew 6 again, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about tomorrow. Look the way I take care of the lilies of the field. Won't won't I take care of you and your family? So here's the thing with all these examples, and and this is, honestly, I can't think. There's so many, there's so many scripture, there's so many parts of Hebrews 11 that is stories of faith in the Bible and scripture. Abraham, Moses, Noah, like it just lists all these heroes of the faith and things they've done. And I think we could share every one of those, and they're powerful. And like I said, I would encourage you to go read them. But the fresh one for me was, um, sorry, was watching Donna. Uh, Okay. Last 30 days. Okay, when Marco asked me to preach this message, we were in the middle of this season. Okay, somebody tell me a joke. <laughs> uh, we were in the middle of this season. They all got to speak at the service and get this out. This is my first chance, so... Um, we were in the middle of the season watching her health like just plummet. In her last at least 30 days, she was really limited. She couldn't couldn't talk much. She couldn't you know, she was just she wasn't mobile. Um it was it was clear she didn't feel good. It's going to make it worse. Uh, but you never heard her say, I guarantee you she had doubts in her mind. Like I know she's human, but you didn't hear her say, God, what are you doing to me? She said, God is my healer.
2: Amen.
0: Every day we went to her house, she would have like scripture cards everywhere. And I started, I started taking pictures because I was so marked. Like someone in this moment who's got, who's just leaning on scripture. I mean, this is two feet from the bed that she was just stuck in. And I know you can't read that, but the one in her handwriting says, Psalm 145, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. And Psalm 105 says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Who does that? And then there's another picture I took as a book on healing. And it was just all over the house. And Donna lived. Faith is not the way I feel because his words is different. Okay. Uh, We shared this at the service, but, I mean, within 24 hours of her passing, she called Wayne over to her hospital bed, which was set up in the living room. I mean, you know, in her living room. And she's limited to this hospital bed, and she doesn't have much strength. She can get a whisper out, and she's... I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but she's clearly struggling to breathe. I wouldn't even wish it on anyone to have to see it. And she says, Wayne, God is good. Who does that? Okay. This is what I want you to get that's legacy faith. That's faith that impacts generations. It impacted everybody around her, and it impacted me. Okay, I wanna show a video to you. Um, This is, I'll just set it up really quickly. This is barely 12 hours after she passed. I mean, the same day. Our whole family was at the house, as we had been for a little while. And this is all that this is this is how we responded. Dino? Yay! does that we do because that's all 20 of us Wayne kids grandkids we're all crying like just like this but we're also worshiping because it's the only response to the life she lived so my question to you is is that the kind of faith that you want do you want, do you want to impact not just your family, every person around you and, and generations? Do you want to impact your family, every person you encounter for generations? Donna wasn't just, she didn't just teach it, she lived it, and it was every arena of life. It was tennis team, it was it was in our family, it was, you know, people she runs into at H E B. None of that mattered. It was every day. Uh, so Hebrews 11:6 says, "Without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God." Chris, you can come up, sorry. for we come to God in faith knowing that He is real and that He rewards the faith of those who passionately seek Him. So is your life too full of weeds and distractions? Is it all these other things fighting for your attention? Or is your faith just an option and not the option? Have you trusted God with your eternity, but you forget to trust Him daily with the, with the small things? Don't pick and choose what you believe in the Word. A lot of times, I think, we say we don't, we don't believe, or we don't, you know, we pick and choose Scripture, but I think sometimes we can flip that around. Like, it's like we want to leave out hard Scripture, but sometimes we leave out good Scripture. Like, God cares about every part of my life. And wherever my life doesn't line up with the Word, I'm going to stand on the Word. And if you get that, then you're going to go to Him, and you're going to go to His Word, and it's going to transform your life. So just three things I wanted to pray for today. And if you want prayer, if you want your faith the same way that Donna lived, that impacts a family, impacts a generation... I want to pray with you. We'll have deacons and uh, Marco up here, and we'd love to pray with you. We, 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 we offer prayer every service, um, but there was three things specifically I wanted to pray for for any of you today. And and first is is uh, people who've trusted Jesus. You've given him your whole life. You place your your hope of eternity in him. But you've elevated other things above him. And you've filled your garden with weeds. And the seed is just down there somewhere, but you can't quite find it because there's so much garbage around. If he's not if he's not the only option and you want to get those weeds out of there and come back to, to the seed of life, then we'd love to pray for you. Number two, if you want to start to understand the power that's in this word of God, this living Breathing word, you can't use the word if you don't know the word. When you're facing anything, the answer's here. And if you feel like that's there's a gap there, like that does there's a lot that's a, there's a gap in my life, a lot of seasons. Like why am I doing this on my own? The, all the answers are here. And then I would love to pray for you. And last, if this is crazy to you. Like You're like, what the heck are they talking about? And you've never even taken the first step in trusting Jesus the first time. I promise you'll be the best decision you've ever made. It's not about perfect behavior, but he will give you peace that even when you fail, even when circumstances change and things don't make sense, his peace stays. His joy stays. So if you want to trust him for the first time today, just tell him you want to place all your trust in him. You know you're a sinner. You know he's overcome death forever, and you want to place your entire life in his hands. And we'd love to pray for you.
1: Thank you for listening to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis Podcast.
0: We are a church that is passionate about knowing Christ and making him known in our city, the nation, and the ends of the earth. For more information on who we are, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook.